0: Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, a podcast that aims to educate and inform black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. This week, we sit down with Lauren Carnegie, the founder of Endo Black, a nonprofit organization for African-American and women of color affected by endometriosis. Ms. Cornegay graduated from Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, where she received her degree in speech communication. While at Morgan State, she experienced a series of events that led her to a gynecologist and a diagnosis of endometriosis at the age of 20. Having searched social media, websites, and other avenues, she felt like there wasn't anyone that looked like her that had been impacted by endometriosis that she could reach out and connect with. Because of this, Endo Black was born. We will learn what endometriosis is, how it is diagnosed, and how it can be treated. And with that, let's get into the show. At this time, I'd like to welcome Lorna Cornegay to the show. Hello. Welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. My name is Laura Cornegay and I'm the founder of Enzo Black Inc., which is a nonprofit organization that focuses on advocating for African-American women and women of color. I also have decided to step out and become a endometriosis coach, I have published a journal for assisting women or people with endometriosis as like a journal log. It's called Your Personal Journey Log for Endometriosis.
0: Wonderful. So for those of us who are unaware, what is endometriosis?
1: Endometriosis is a disorder that over 167 million women actually are diagnosed with. And that is What they have on file, but that is not necessarily true because as we know, it can be so many more people. But it's a disorder that actually can cripple your body. I would say pain 365, 24 seven. This is a woman's reproductive health disorder. It can cause, and normally what people first think of when they think of endometriosis is the womb or the uterus. However, we are starting to see or starting to recognize that endometriosis is not just a wound matter. It does affect many, many different aspects of your health. So that can lead you to um, having issues, cognitive thinking, brain fog. You can have um, endometriosis affect your abdomen. It can have or cause problems with shortness of breath. So there's so many things that people are learning um, about endometriosis. It's basically a woman's reproductive issue. However, it does affect the transgender population as well. So I wanted to make sure we uh, put that out there to raise awareness about that demographic as well. But in a nutshell, that's what it is. And it can cause some serious issues, But if you are managing it correctly, then I believe that you'll see a change and you'll see a difference.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know. And so let's take a step back. When did you figure out that you had endometriosis? Let's talk about your personal health journey.
1: I was diagnosed with endometriosis on March 18, 2011. However, I did not know that I had endometriosis. I started my cycle when I was 12, which was a week before my 13th birthday. And with my cycle starting, I did have some, you know, heavy bleeding. I had a lot of pain. I remember being on the floor, my mom, you know, breaking up Percocet and giving me Percocet and my applesauce to like ease my pain. I ended up going to college at Morgan State University. And I was there, I believe this was 2010. I was preparing to do a presentation in my speech. This was going to be my final, my midterm exam, to be exact, my midterm exam. And I was dressed up and I just, I don't know, for some reason I decided to get up and I got up to go to the bathroom and there was like blood on the back of my dress so I had to, you know, go home, of course. And this is when I wasn't living on campus. And so, of course, I had to figure out a plan. But I ended up having to go to the emergency room later on that night and, you know, talking to a OBGYN on call for the ER. And she just was like, you need to find a gynecologist. I'm not sure. And this wasn't just like a normal cycle because I had been on my cycle probably about four to five days prior to like my cycle had left and it came right back. So I knew it was wrong. She told me to go to a gynecologist, which I did. And I went to go visit a doctor by the name of Dr. K. She's so, so sweet. I just love old people. I don't know what it is, but she (laughs) So sweet, very caring. And she just was like, so what's the problem? What's going on with you? And I went down a list of things that I thought, you know, that's what she wanted to hear because she said, how's your cycles? Like, how are your periods? And I was like, well, I get pain in my left knee before my cycle, pain in my right knee after my cycle, like saying all this stuff, like it's normal. And it wasn't, it wasn't normal. And she said, okay, okay, well, let's do, let's do a, a, a pap smear real quick, a pelvis exam. And she was like, this is just something that I'm going to see. And next thing you know, she was like, well, you have a reverted uterus. And with you have a reverted uterus, that is actually a symptom of endometriosis. I was like, a endo what? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that? So she ended up telling me, like, you know, the pain that you're suffering from, the pain that you've been dealing with your whole life, the fact that you have a reverted uterus, I think that you may have endometriosis. So let's go ahead and schedule an appointment. And she scheduled me in for surgery at Johns Hopkins University, where she performed a lapiscarpic surgery on me, which is just small incisions. And at the time, and a lot of people talk about like what, you know, what type of surgery. There's like an excision surgery and there's an ablation surgery. I really don't know which surgery she did on me, but I know that I have three incisions where she was able to go in and see endometriosis. And this is my thought process of it. I try to explain it so that everybody can understand. So basically, what happens is when you are having your cycle, the blood from your cycle is supposed to be shedding. And instead of all of that shedding the lining, sometimes it attaches itself to certain parts of your body. So it can attach itself to your abdomen wall, to your ovaries, to your fallopian tube, like to all of these places. So that is my understanding of endometriosis. And I say my understanding because, you know, we're ever growing and ever learning. But she was able to go in, cut three incisions, and cut whatever she needed to cut out and that, that was it. That's how I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I would have never known because in the African-American community, we sometimes just say, Hey, you know, that's pain, deal with it. You know, and it's not mm-hmm. like a whole terrible approach or mean approach. It's more of a, like, you're strong enough to bear it. You know, God doesn't put mm-hmm. um, anything on you that you can't bear. So that's where our mindset goes automatically. So we try to just tough it out.
0: Hmm. Not knowing that it's actually problematic.
1: Right. It's interesting
0: that you mention like your knees because you're right. Like when you think of something that affects, you know, your pelvic area, you wouldn't necessarily think of symptoms outside of that area. Right. So that's good to know for people who are listening. If they've been having some problems and mm-hmm. think that it couldn't be that because, hey, oh, it, my knees hurt. You know, it sounds like it's not just a symptom of of the pelvic area. You can have symptoms all over the body. Are there any other common places that, you know, people wouldn't think of naturally that could be endometriosis?
1: Girl, I almost had a fit over here. I was like, girl, yes, let me tell you. <laughs> there is a long list. But this is the biggest thing. People should recognize that everybody's body is not the same. So what I may go through, you know, other people may not go through. Or we may go through it at different times. So I have learned over the years talking to other um people that have endometriosis that it could be a variety of different things. So I talk about my knees. You also have sharp pains in your back or in your chest. Shortness of breath. I did say that that's a part of the erratic endometriosis. You also have okay. So I and I don't even know if this is really a part of it, but I'm still trying to figure certain things out. Like there's a group that we have called Endo where we compare and contrast. Our body, and this summer it was very random. Of course, we're in quarantine, and I I'm like wearing shorts, and I normally don't wear shorts, but I'm looking at my inner thighs, and I have bruises all up and down my inner thighs, and I'm like, what did you do? Like, what did I do to myself? I did absolutely nothing. I went in the group chat, and I said, does anybody else deal with stuff like this? It was like, yeah, we get bruises all the time. But see, the thing is, we don't know where that comes from. It's just a common thing that some people with endometriosis may endure. So it's really important to like share your experiences, your symptoms, so you have brain fog migraines, nausea, unfortunately vomiting. Like I said, sharp pains in your abdomen, sharp pains in your back. Acne can be an issue. Let's see. Hair loss could be an issue. It, it just goes over so many things. There's four different types of endometriosis, so it, it taps into certain types of things. There have been very severe cases where somebody has had endometriosis in the brain. I'm not, you know, too certain about you know all of the logistics or the information behind that case because I was just told about that case. But that was one case that I've heard. So, okay. but those are some of the symptoms, and I should also say fatigue. Like I'll say, for instance, if I'm in the kitchen cooking. I might, you know, look to the left and be like, sleep. Like I'm so tired. It will hit me so quick, like a ton of bricks. Those are some of the symptoms that I have dealt with personally. And like I said, they may not all started once. When I was 13, I didn't deal with all of this stuff.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm
1: saying? But- 2020 hit. And next thing you know, I'm dealing with being nauseous, dealing with migraines, I'm dealing with vomiting and brain fog. That Those are things that had never happened for me specifically. So once 2020 got here and I dealt with that, it was like, okay, well, I, I know how to manage it a little bit better. So those are just some, I think that everybody should, you know, kind of do their own research to to their bodies. Like I said, everybody doesn't Deal with the same things. So, some people are, I don't want to say blessed, but they're blessed because they don't have the pain aspect. So, you can have endometriosis without pain. Now, what that looks wow. like to that person, you know, I'm not really too sure of and how they're able to detect, but pain for me is my number one symptom. Okay.
0: Right. And I would imagine that is the one that will get you to the doctor quickest to try to figure right. out what's going on. But then, you, like you said, it could be some people who just think it's normal because they don't understand the level that other people go through to realize that everybody doesn't have it at that level. Correct. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I remember you talked about getting the laparoscopic surgery for a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Is that the only way that it can be diagnosed?
1: For from what I know, uh, because I'm not a medical professional, but I have not heard of anything with accurate results other than the laparoscopic surgery. So somebody okay. did okay. Say something about blood work, but you know, for me, I I haven't heard of anything actually working except for laparoscopic surgery. So, and I do encourage people to get the actual surgery because a lot of times. Walking around saying you have endometriosis versus actually knowing is very, very important because if you're just, and I know a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, gynecologists may say, Oh, you have endo. Well, just take these birth control pills. You'll be fine. You know, it it may not even be endo. Sometimes it could be PCOS or it could be uterine fibroids or it could, you know, it's so many things that are so closely related. Mm-hmm. But it's important for you to actually get that diagnosis because one, you have to really figure out because even if you assume it's endometriosis now, what type of endometriosis? What is your stage level? What Where is the endometriosis at? Because it could be on your lung. It could be on your abdomen. It could be, you know, it's so many places. So I'd rather have like a definite answer than to say, well, okay, you know, I haven't, but I I don't know because I didn't get a surgery. You just want to make sure that you're very, very sure of it.
0: Wow. You mentioned lungs. Like that's another one of those things that I would have never associated with a pelvic disorder. You talked about different types and different stages. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the types and stages?
1: Yes. So there are four different types and there's four different stages. So like I said before, I'm not a medical professional, so I'm going to try um, to share what I think is correct based off of research that I've done in the past. So I do want to put Mm -hmm. that disclaimer out here. However, with endometriosis, it it really has its ups and downs. The stages are not defined by pain. So if I, I could be at a stage two but i know somebody at a stage 4 that doesn't have pain so it's not it's not defined by pain at all research has shown that depending on how many implants or adhesions you have determines your stage so if you have very few then you're at stage 1 if you have deeper implants and more adhesions you're at stage 2 deeper implants small chocolate cysts ovarian endometriosis uh, more rooted lesion scarring that's stage 3 and then it goes on to say deep implants large chocolate cysts many dense adhesions more scarring that's stage 4 so a lot of times we get that confused because we think oh i'm in you know greater pain than you I think it's fair to say that nobody knows the pain the way that person knows their pain. Like, I can't feel your pain. My pain right. will be totally different than yours. So a lot of times we get that confused with pain levels, but those are just saying, hey, these are the stages based off of the implants, the adhesions, the lesions, or all of these things, and how many or how much damage there is. So that's what that is. And then you have four different types of endometriosis, thoracic, reproductive, urinary, and digestive. Of course, thoracic would be the lungs. That's why I said something along the lines of like shortness of breath. Reproductive, of course, that's ovarian, fallupi- fallopian tubes, um, the uterus. And I think it could be the rectum because we do have situations where they have found actual lesions on the rectum area or this cause problems in that area. Urinary is kidneys and bladder. Digestive is the appendix, bowel, and both small and large intestine. So as we know, like these are just things, but I'm sure you know ne- you never know if people will come out with more information on it because It took a long time for people to even talk about the different types of it. Like you said, you know, you didn't know about it. I honestly didn't know about it at one point until I started doing more research and reading up on it because, you know, you just automatically think endometriosis, if it's starting from the uterus, the womb, well, clearly it's going to stay in that region, but that unfortunately is not the case.
0: Okay. Wow. So when you have the surgery, is that just diagnostic or do they actually remove some of the tissue?
1: They do both. They do both. And I really think it depends on the case of how much they do, what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, It's really case by case as far as like uh, them doing the incisions to see how, how serious it is because it could be very mild. Like I said, stage one, you go in, you cut or you burn and you get rid of what you can get rid of. But some people have gone into surgery and, you know, unfortunately they have not been able to keep all their organs. Some organs had to come out because they were so damaged or they had to cut like, fallopian tube or ovary or, you know, it's just so many things that really, you have to really open yourself up. Literally, they have to open you up to see the damage or to see what endometriosis has caused. So it's definitely case by case. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but I've heard, you know, unfortunate stories where women have gone into surgery And if you, you know, if you don't have an advocate, nine times out of 10, they may do whatever they think is best at that moment versus asking, because usually, hey, this is the case. We noticed this. How do you feel about us taking this out or taking this out or taking this out? But if they have you open on the table nine times out of 10, they're going to just perform what they think is best. And I, you know, I can't be upset at doctors for knowing what they think is best all the time, but I wish that it was under different circumstances. And I do wish that doctors and patients can get to a place where they have these conversations prior to the surgery or yeah. they have the advocate present and they speak to the advocate that way whatever decision is made during surgery, they're okay with it.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Having a plan beforehand, like, okay, let's talk about a few different scenarios that could Mm -hmm. happen. And then what will we do if it comes to that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are the risk factors or are there risk factors that you look at to You know, to determine if you have a higher chance
1: of getting endometriosis. Well, the thing is, if you have it, you have it. There's no preventing it. There's no cure for it. I think that people are born with it. And at some age, it just goes into motion. So some risk factors could be somebody in your family and this is what I've read, but this is also what I I believe because women in my family have PCOS. I have someone mm-hmm. in my family that I have miscarriages. So for me in particular, I think that if you have anybody in your family with a woman's reproductive uh, health issue, I think that that's a risk factor right there. It, it it may not be a endometriosis diagnosis but it could Mm -hmm. be along the lines of some type of uh, woman's reproductive health issue. So I will say that's a risk factor is having somebody in your family with it. So my mother had it. Okay. Because the lack of education, I don't think she knew she had it until she got pregnant with me. Gotcha. So another risk factor could be the pain. If If you're having pain, If you're having pain in your kneecaps, which is not normal. If you're having pain prior to your cycle, definitely. If you're having heavy, heavy periods, like when I mean heavy, I mean bleeding through pads. You got this pad on for two hours, you bleeding through that one. You know, some of those, some of that is very, very, very important to pay attention to because those are the main things right there. You really can't. Control, like if somebody starts having symptoms, you can't control at what age they start having those symptoms. So it, it's not, none of this is really in our control. So all of the risk factors are just things that we just need to look for specifically, but they're in our everyday lives, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, I know yes, that I every, yeah. Like every woman has somebody in their family that may have some issues with women reproductive health. So you just right, right. pay close attention to it and see like, well, what what actually happened? You know, and I know that older women may not feel comfortable talking about it or not even just older women. Women our age may not be comfortable talking about it as well. But we want to get to a place where we have these conversations or these discussions with our family members, because these are our family members and anything that has happened to them, they should share that way we can prepare just in case that may be on, you know, on a list of things that we need to look out for. Because it's the same way if somebody would say, well, do you have cancer in your family? It's like, yes, I have cancer in my family. So I need to pay attention to that. Or do you have a history of, sickle cell anemia. Yes, we have a history of sickle cell anemia. So you just want it's, to, it's very similar to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like there are things that you do that makes it easier on you, like things that you avoid or things that you add into your life that make your symptoms more
1: manageable? I have changed my entire life. Because of an even after being diagnosed, I thought that it would be cool. Okay, I got cut up on the table today. I'm fine, you know, I'm healed up. You know, I didn't know that this would be like a lifelong journey where I had to change X, Y, and Z. Something that I've recently started doing, where I'm going through all of the products And reading the actual chemicals on our products to make sure that they don't have BHA, um, have dyes and uh, different types of, you know, harmful chemicals or toxic ingredients that may be harmful that can trigger more of our pairing. Trying to track that information down and looking at that information and what works best for you is the best way to go about it. It may be a little difficult when you first start looking into, you know, products. However, you just want to make sure that the products that, you're using aren't triggering more pain or more flare-ups in the future. So I've changed like the sanitary napkins that I've used. I have looked into period panties, which have been a relief. Very scary to use. I will definitely tell you that. (laughs) However, they work (laughs) depending on the brand. So you will not hear me vouch for everybody's brand because I have not used everybody's brand. But I do encourage people to invest in, you know, a pair just to see how it works for them. I've changed my diet, where I moderate certain foods that I eat. I've looked into things that help me manage my pain, like a weighted blanket. So those are some things. I also use supplements because as you know, you're not going to get enough with the food that we eat. So I do have like vitamin D, vitamin C. I do elderberry syrup. So those are some of the things that I do and I add into my practice. Those are my everyday hacks, I should say.
0: Nice. All right. So I know you kind of briefly mentioned at the beginning your nonprofit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes. So my nonprofit is my baby. I started it in um, October of 2015 when I, that's when I really started getting serious about my endometriosis. I, was put in a place where I was looking to connect with other African-American women because I was saying to myself, like, well, how do y'all handle this? I wanted to connect to see, you know, well, what is something that Black women may go through? Because, you know, we're not we're not all the same. And I'm not saying that I can't get advice from any white woman. However, my hair texture is totally different uh, from a white woman or even a Hispanic woman. So I wanted to connect with somebody that looked like me. Well, unfortunately, that was not the case. I would go into these support groups and people would like just be so rude and just say, you know, that's racist and endo doesn't matter about your race. And no, we don't have black people here. And it just was like so much negative. Like, and even in the groups, it was just negativity in general. So as soon as I asked that question, it started like, Putting me in a mindset where it was like, Ooh, like I don't want to be surrounded by this type of stuff. So my mom always said, If you see a void, fill it. Mm. So that's what I did. And I, I recognized that I just started searching for a black woman with endometriosis. And I slowly started getting connected, but people were like, you know, I know it's more black people out there. Like I know then I started hearing about the stories about how we weren't being diagnosed correctly, how we were having horror stories in, you know, in the medical industry. And then you just think back to health equity and Heredia Lacks and all of these things. So I just said, you know what, let's just create a safe space for us because, you know, even when I'm out there talking, I don't feel safe because I was attacked for asking about African-American women. So let me just come on and get everybody and let's be safe in this little circle. We can chat. We can talk. We share recipes. We can share this. We can share that. So when I did that, I decided to start Endo Black. We came up with four goals. First one is, of course, to create endo-sisterly love. I want us to connect with each other so that people can you know, have an outlet. It's very, very difficult to talk to somebody that does not have endometriosis and assume that they know what you're talking about. So I wanted to create that bond and that endositional love so that when it was time for somebody to go through something, they could have that support. I also want to create workshops, educational seminars, conferences, so we can continue the discussion around endometriosis we have to continue the discussion around how it's affecting us and how it's it's really challenging. We can't get to a better place if we're not talking about it and raising awareness about it. I also have a goal of just making sure that we are creating laws, regulations, policies which we have not gotten to yet. However, of course, we still have so much time, but a lot of times We talk about change, but you can't do change without these laws, uh, policies, and regulations. That's Mm -hmm. where the change really, really happens. So we have to make sure that we somehow connect there because we can talk all we want to, but we have to really have something concrete and and presence, and then our last goal is really to just make sure that we are providing everybody the opportunity of feeling safe and having that awareness, because it's not just African American woman, it's not just woman of color, it's not just white white woman. It's you know, Endo Black is really inclusive. It's just advocating for those margins so that everybody can get some type of representation going on. So that really is the purpose of. Indo Black. We've done our ambassadors program, which is a great program where we have women connected around the United States. We are, of course, looking to expand it more. However, you know, we're in the process of just making sure that we have people in certain states so that they can actually form their own support group so that they can lead. And I, you know, pre-COVID, that was the plan for us to have something in each state. So we did greets in Washington, D.C. The intent was, the intent for 2020 was to travel in March to go to different locations. And with this, mm-hmm. you know, having a program such as the ambassador's program, it still has us in an opportunity where that ambassador can say, Hey, I think we need more support here. Let's have an event. You know, the saying is boots on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll have boots on the ground in that area, but they can see what's going on. I think that's the biggest part for the ambassador's program. We also have mocktails and cocktails where we sit down and we discuss serious topics. And when I say serious topics, I mean like sex and relationships and endometriosis, relationships and endometriosis, healthcare and endometriosis, self-care, beauty, cosmetics, like anything you can think of that is a touchy subject because as we know, endometriosis affects everything. So it affects your body, but it it affects your finances. It can affect you mentally. It can affect you in your relationships. So we try to have all of these discussions with people that, you know, are experts in their fields. I'm just the person that listens and takes the information. Right, right, right. I understand. I am the same. Yes, yeah, so he does this. So we try to put people that have the expertise in front of other women so that they're able to say, OK, well, this is what I need to focus on for myself. And they get a chance to answer questions and stuff. And I think that that is the fun part. It's, it's always very intimate. So that's very exciting. We also have a a lot of other things that we are working on. And I, I won't say anything major. But, you know, everybody can just look for us because we will be here and we will be around and we have so many projects. And I love the partners that we have. We're partnered with Red Rose Naturals, Cush Queen, October Lotus, Juna, C-Main Health, and Aquinas LLC, as well as Fertility Answers. And These partners, and when I mean they're amazing, like they said, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to support you because we know raising awareness for African-American women and women of color, facts about endometriosis is important to you, but we want to also make sure that people are supporting you. So we want to back you. So, you know, this has been an amazing, amazing journey. And I've I've met a lot of people, so I am grateful for endometriosis in a way. But if endometriosis was a person, I would fight them. (laughs) (laughs) Understood.
0: (laughs) I hear that. Well, are there any other resources that you would recommend for somebody listening who wants to find out more information about endometriosis? Yes.
1: I, first, I want to recommend the Indo Foundation of America, a great organization. I spoke with the founder, well, CEO, I should say, not too long ago. She has some great things in store. I think that that's a, a wonderful platform. So I think they're beneficial, especially to the endometriosis community because they have a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, You have the Endo Summit that is putting on uh, multiple events. They have the ear of the doctor, Dr. Sally. She does amazing. I think people should definitely check them out. Endo Queer, an organization that is advocating for the queer community, LBGTQIA. And Les, she's so cool. We live in the same area, so... She has a wealth of knowledge and she's very, very passionate about what she has gone through, and what, you know, her experience has been. So I advise everybody to check them out. April Christina, Samantha Dene Kyla, and it's, it's a wealth of other organizations. I feel like once you click on one, you'll just start going down a rabbit hole of connecting to so many other um, organizations that are very ben- beneficial. Fertility okay. is really good as well. Endometriosis does also have something to do with infertility. However, I will say that nobody can tell you that you can't have children until you actually start trying. Infertility Answers is a platform and an app that allows you to log in, create a profile, and... Really just go in and ask specialists questions. These are professionals, medical professionals, versus like setting up a whole entire appointment just to ask a question that you're trying to add. Fertility Answers is an app. It's really, It's really great to use for those who are looking to possibly have children in the near future that have endometriosis or PCOS or, you know, anything like that. They have all of those specialists there just to answer those questions.
0: Okay. Um, that's so good to know because you're right. It takes so long to get an appointment and then just to go there and you really just got one or two questions. Yep. So just be able to have that at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. Is that a paid app? No. It Well,
1: it's a paid app if you want other features. Okay. Okay. If you want other features, it's a paid app. But to just get on and search around and ask questions and do stuff like that. Mm-mm.
0: Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yep. So if we wanted to keep in touch with you
1: or find out more about Endo Black, how will we go about doing that? Yes. If you want to keep in contact with us, you can go check out our website, www.endoblack.org. You can subscribe to our newsletter, which is called Info Newsletter. When you subscribe to that newsletter, you will be able to get a, a new look at Indo Black, with some of the stories that we put out, some of the articles. And we also do share our partners' codes. We share coupon codes and all of these things that are really beneficial. And you get a first look at our product reviews for our partners. You can also look at us on Instagram at endo underscore black. You can follow us on Facebook and check us out there. We are African-American woman with endometriosis. And then you have black woman with endometriosis. If you have endometriosis, you can join our private group where we have women just talking about different things as far as you know, pregnancy and fertility, pain management, yoga, sex, relationships, endo, just fun times. You know, it's just where you can go and just exchange information, resources, and recipes. So I do advise if you do have endo to definitely tap into that network. It's almost a thousand people in there, and they just grab information from each other. We also have a Endo hood group me that people can check out if they're interested in getting into that. They can also reach out to us on our email at info at endoblack.org. If anybody's ever interested in becoming an ambassador, they can email us at ambassador at endoblack.org. Twitter, the Endo Black. We are also on clubhouse named the Endo Community where we host discussions every Thursday at 6:30 and we just encourage anybody that has endometriosis, that wants to learn about endometriosis, that wants to support someone with endometriosis to tap in so we can discuss serious topics.
0: Nice. Okay. Well with that, I'd like to thank you for coming on to the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. It, It's very, very important when we somehow collaborate to raise awareness for such an amazing cause. Thank you for sharing your platform with me. It means a lot, and I know that everything you're doing touches go, and you're going to do amazing. Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) How was that, guys? I felt like she really gave us a lot of resources to pour into, in addition to telling us about her own org, which seems like a great place to connect and share with others. Endometriosis is one of those illnesses that I've heard of, but didn't really know much about. I know recently Chrissy Teigen has been spreading the word about endometriosis with the pain that she's in, her recent surgery, and then her fertility issues. So hopefully this prompts the media to start doing more articles about that, letting people have more information. It was a real eye-opener to hear about all the areas of the body that it affects, especially those outside of the pelvic region. If you'd like to find out more about Lauren's organization, you can visit endoblack.org. She's also on Instagram at endo underscore black. And her personal page is I am Lauren Renee. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast, we're at Yo, This Can't Be Life on Instagram and Facebook, and we also have a Twitter page. Of course, we're available for your listening pleasure on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Go ahead and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Please consider giving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or sharing your favorite episode on social media. Until next time.